Life Audio. Hi, Story Behind listeners. I am Jeremy Stalker, the CEO of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, and we are an organization dedicated to helping America's military warriors and their families who are suffering from the unseen wounds of combat. I'm also proud to host the podcast called March or Die. In each episode of my show, I strive to help answer one of the toughest questions we all face. How do I move forward when my world is falling apart? I've had some amazing conversations with incredible guests, and I'm honored to introduce you to my show. This is, again, a show where we talk about how to move forward. We all know what it is to struggle. We all know what it is to deal with the trials and the traumas and the tribulations of life. The real question is, how do we move forward? That's exactly what we talk about. And in this episode, you're about to hear, I talk about four fundamental principles that must be present in our lives if we are going to keep pressing forward. Welcome to the March or Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me. This show comes from really my heart to help people move forward in their lives. And so many things that could be said about moving forward and what it takes to move forward and why it's important to move forward. Uh, All of these things that we consider. Um, But this is my heart to help people move forward from my own experience, from the experience I've had helping others. I was raised in a Christian home. My dad um, was a pastor for many, many years, over 30 years. And raised in that home, watched my mom and dad start a church. I was a part of that. And and, uh, it's an exciting thing to look back on, particularly as a young person, to watch your parents not only serve God, but serve God in such a sacrificial way. And I have so much respect for church planters, those that, uh, that go out and uh, man, they kind of give it all up, if you will. I don't know if you're giving anything up for God. I don't think you are. But uh, in an earthly sense, giving up so many things, sacrificing so many things so that they can establish a local church. And I had the opportunity as a, as a young person to watch my parents do that. And then my dad pastored for many, many years. Uh, in the process of that, uh, I always joke, and it is a joke, but I, I do joke that one of the things you learn growing up in a pastor's home is that you don't want to be a pastor. And all the pastor's kids out there said, Amen. I got an amen from all of you. Um, I I loved being a pastor's kid. I never really had a problem with that. In fact, I enjoyed it. I'm thankful for it. Uh, Thankful for my education in that. Uh, But watching my parents establish a church and all that goes along with that, I knew that that was not God's calling on my life, at least at that time. I remember going to my dad when I was 14 years old saying, Dad, would it be okay if I didn't go into ministry? And um, I, I think if your dad's in ministry, he wants you to go in ministry. Uh, but he said what you're supposed to say. He said, of course, son, do what God wants you to do. I said, Dad, I'm glad to hear you say that because I believe God wants me to enlist in the United States Marine Corps. He said, son, God cannot possibly want you to enlist in the Marine Corps. Uh, I don't know if he said it exactly like that. That's how I remember it. Um, but uh, he, he said, look, if God wants you to be a Marine, then that's what you need to be. However, there are a couple of things that your mom and I would like to see you do first. One of those is college. And uh, I was 14 years old, so I did everything I could up until college. Then I went to college as I had been uh, instructed by my parents and uh, got through that. Uh, and I say got through it because that's exactly what happened. I got through it. Um, it was a great time. I met my wife there. Some good things happened, good friends uh, that I met there as well. But I wasn't really focused on college. I was focused on being a Marine. 
In that process, though, I had the opportunity to go through a commissioning program. So uh, my goal was to enlist as a Marine. Uh, but some folks that I met said, if you're going to college, you might as well go through this commissioning program. I did. And uh, I was commissioned in 1999 as a second lieutenant in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, the thing I had always wanted to do, I had the privilege of doing, and uh, it was amazing. Um, went through several schools, officer candidate school, of course, and then went to what is called the basic officer course, which is where every Marine officer begins, regardless of your future job. Every Marine officer begins there. You're commissioned. You go to the basic officer course, six months. You learn how to be a Marine officer. And uh, so many good things taught there. And then I went over to uh, the infantry officer course. Now, both of these schools are on the same place, just across the street from each other. Graduated from the basic officer course and then uh, walked across the street to the infantry officer course, spent uh, 10 weeks there. And, uh, man, what an incredible time. I, I had always struggled with school. Um, I even struggled a little bit at the basic officer course. But infantry officer course, infantry officer school was exactly what I had always wanted to do. And it was amazing. Um, you learn so many incredible things. It's, it's very challenging. It's very difficult. But you learn so many amazing things. And, and um, I was just very thankful for it. Left there. That was in Quantico, Virginia. Left there. And uh, my first duty station was 1st Battalion, 5th Marines at Camp Pendleton or out of Camp Pendleton, California. For the Marines in the audience, we were up in the northernmost part of uh, Camp Pendleton. And, uh, man, it was awesome. Christianitos Gate, the San Mateo area, we were up there. And uh, what, a, what an awesome place to be. It was just an incredible time of life. Again, everything I had ever wanted to do, uh, and I was doing it. I was an infantry officer. I was checking into my infantry battalion. I was going to get my rifle company, or my rifle platoon, rather. I didn't get ahead of myself. My rifle platoon. And uh, I did. And I remember that first day checking in and then connecting with my Marines. And uh, what a what an awesome time that was. When I checked into Charlie Company, 1st Battalion, 5th Marines, I'm going to tell some stories over the next couple of weeks and, and, and kind of develop the ideas of marching forward. But when I checked into Charlie Company, 1st Battalion, 5th Marines, uh, I learned a lot of things. But one of the things I learned was that Charlie Company had a motto. And the motto of that Marine Rifle Company, and every, uh, it seems, every um, military unit has its own motto, right? <laughs> Marines keep it really simple. Charlie Company kept it really simple. Uh, the motto for Charlie Company was march or die. That's it. March or die. It was Marine proof, and it's kind of life proof. You only have two choices. When things get out of control, when the bullets are coming your direction, you really only have two choices. You can stay where you are and die. That's a choice you can make. Or you can march. And I loved that, uh, that motto. I loved the word picture that came along with that. It wasn't until a couple of years later, and I'll tell that story next week, but a couple of years later that that really became very meaningful to me. Eventually, I would write a book called March or Die about my time in Iraq. 1-5, 1st Battalion, 5th Marines went to Iraq. The beginning of the war, we were part of the initial invasion into Iraq. And uh, some things happened there that that March or Die motto became very, very important to me. Um, I'll get to that next week, but um, so many things were learned in that time. So many principles for marching forward in that time. I want to share some of these principles with you this morning as we, or today as we get going. Uh, really, this is, is kind of laying the groundwork for what this podcast and what this show is going to be. I want to share these four principles with you as soon as we come back. All right, so what do you do? 
when your world seems to be out of control? How do you march forward? Uh, again, I'm going to develop this thought over the next few weeks. I've got a great guest coming on in a couple of weeks. I'm going to tell some stories from my time in Iraq that, uh, at least for me, really illustrate this. Um, and hopefully they will for you as well. But what do you need to press forward? What are kind of the, uh, the guiding principles, the rules that you need to hang on to? And there's four Ps, right? Because words that all begin with the same letter are so much easier to remember than words that don't begin with the same letter. So uh, Ps are easy words, a lot of words with the beginning letter P. So I've got four of them for you. And, and again, today, uh, this is about laying the ground rules. This is about establishing our foundation. We're going to work from here in the weeks ahead. But, but here's, the, here's the foundation. What, what are the basic things, the ground rules we need to understand if we're going to move forward? Uh, the first thing we have to understand is preparation. Preparation. I talk often on the subject of spiritual resiliency. Through the work that I do with the Mighty Oaks Foundation, my day job, my job outside of this podcast, we work with those who are struggling with trauma. Maybe it's trauma related to their life in the military or their life as a first responder. Maybe it's just life trauma. We talk, though, when we kind of get beyond the trauma conversation, how do we deal with what's happened in our past? We then talk about how we can prepare for the future, what is coming, prepare for what's on the horizon, because we all know that what has happened has happened. We'll deal with that as we must, and I can talk about that, and I will in future episodes, how we deal with past trauma But really what we should be aspiring to do is to prepare, (laughs) to be what we call resilient. We often speak on resiliency. We talk about what it is to be spiritually resilient. To be resilient means that you can get knocked down in life, but because you have prepared, you can get back up. All of us will get knocked down. That's not a question. The question is, what are you going to do when you get knocked down? Will you be able uh, to bounce back up? Will you be able to recover? You can and you will, and you can do it even if you're not prepared. It's just such a long road. But if you're prepared for what may come, for what inevitably will come, you've prepared. Uh, You have uh, anticipated what might happen. You have begun to build the character traits that you need in order to be strong and to be focused. You've established what it is that God has for you to do, and you've begun to set goals to move toward those things. Uh, You've done the work. If you've done the work, if you've prepared, then you are building within yourself resiliency. You're resilient. The key to being resilient is being prepared. Now, you can't be prepared for every specific situation, but generally speaking, and again, I'll talk about this more in coming weeks, and uh, I'm going to have some guests on that are going to help us break this down, Uh, but in very broad strokes, uh, very generally, you can be prepared when you realize that something difficult will happen, even if you can't see it, but you've already decided that when the difficult thing comes, you'll get in the Word of God, you'll go to God in prayer, you'll get around people who will encourage you and strengthen you, you'll put yourself in a local church setting where you can be taught truth. You've made these decisions, other ways that you can prepare. Again, we'll talk much more about this, but the basic principle here, laying the groundwork, is preparation. You need to prepare. Um, I, I love history. I read a lot of history, and I, I love it. Um, uh, there is 
historical figure, I guess. Uh, Lord Moran is his name. He was the personal physician to Winston Churchill. In fact, he was with Churchill through World War II and into the 60s when uh, Winston Churchill finally uh, died. And um, just with him, saw so many amazing things, incredible character, really. But as a physician, he was a surgeon during World War I. So going back before his time working with Churchill, he was a surgeon, and he was assigned as a young surgeon, as a young doctor, to uh, the trenches of warfare in World War I. He, he was uh, there with the soldiers who were in the trenches being bombed every day and, and dealing with that and trying to help them process that and so much going on there. He, he made an observation as a doctor. He observed that there were those who could be in that exact situation and still act courageously. They maintained a positive attitude and a positive outlook, not, not uh, uh, cheerful per se, but positive. Overall, they were continuing to push forward in their lives and they could fight courageously when they had the opportunity. Others who were in the exact same situation, who didn't. <laughs> Before post-traumatic stress was a phrase that was understood, um, what we know today as combat trauma was called a lot of different things. In World War I, it was called shell shock. Shell shock is really what we would today phrase as post-traumatic stress, but it was called that because uh, it was identified by soldiers, particularly in the trenches, who had been bombed day in and day out, who became uh, so um, uh, introverted Many of them couldn't speak. They couldn't function. They couldn't do anything. So in the same situation, you have those who are acting courageously and those who are absolutely not. What's the difference? Lord Moran wrote a book. He wrote a book called The Anatomy of Courage. Great book. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> he talked about courage, what it is. He tried to break it down, the anatomy of courage. But in the foreword to the book, and all we probably needed was the foreword, he said the difference between someone who's courageous and someone who is not is very simple. He said it this way, a man of courage in war is a man of character in peace. A man of courage in war is a man of character in peace. What does that mean? It means that a person who is prepared is courageous when the battle comes to him. And one who is not is not. We'll talk more about preparation, but the first principle you need to understand is preparation. The second one is perspective, having clarity of the situation. I want to spend a lot of time here, and I'm not going to. I will revisit this. But often we fail to move forward because we don't have clarity on the situation in front of us. We allow our emotions or the emotions of others what's happening around us, we allow these things, a voice from the inside, voices from the outside, to dictate what we think about what is happening. Instead of stepping back and getting clarity on the situation, understanding what is true and what is not, what is real and what is not, talking to people who are kind of outside of the situation, who can give us an honest evaluation. We need the right perspective. We need clarity on the situation. And so often the reason we don't move forward is because we lack clarity. Clarity is absolutely essential. You know, why is it that we go to the Bible when we're overwhelmed? Because the Holy Spirit of God, through His Word, provides clarity. You know, we're told that the Holy Spirit 
guides us into truth. That's how the Bible says it. Guides us into truth. It, it is then surrounding ourselves with a multitude of counselors that we find safety. Why? Because that multitude of counselors provides the clarity that we need to understand what's actually happening. We need to take time to understand, to receive clarity. We need clarity because so often with clarity comes courage and the determination to continue pressing forward. We need to prepare. That's preparation. We need perspective. It's clarity of the situation. And then pursuit. Pursuit is the application of our preparation and the clarity we've received. I remember as a young Marine, we learned so many things. I mean, everything was training. It was all about training. We're always training. (laughs) Training was helpful, but when we found ourselves in a combat situation, we found ourselves in battle, it was the application of that training, pursuit, taking what we had learned, what we had practiced, what we had prepared for, an understanding of the situation in front of us. It was taking all of those things and then applying them in a way that allowed us to move forward. This is determination, pursuit. It's preparation. It's being prepared. It's perspective. It's seeing things clearly. And then it's taking the information that we have and the things we know to be true and moving forward. Pursuit. The final thing we understand is perseverance perseverance man we need more perseverance you see in order to move forward there has to be a commitment to moving forward it's having the character to consistently do the right thing without quitting do you have the character to consistently do the right thing without quitting There are a lot of people in our lives. Maybe you are this person, but we'll just pretend you're not, but you know someone who is. (laughs) That's easier than taking it on ourselves. They prepare. They get the right perspective. In fact, if you looked at them, you'd say they always have a pretty good clarity on what's happening around them. They're good at applying what they know to the situation in front of them, and so they do move forward. But in life, there's more than one battle. In life, there's more than one obstacle. In life, there's more than one difficulty. And so often, those things continue to come and continue to hit. And although everything has been done that needs to be done, there's a lack of grit, a lack of perseverance in the heart of the person who seeks to move forward. They lack the character that is that inward quality that drives us. They lack the character to consistently do the right thing without quitting now check this out i've i've done a whole bunch of episodes on how we can move forward what does the bible say about moving forward what are things that we can learn from others conversations that we can have about moving forward I want us to understand this because I want to understand it. Because in my own life, there are times I'd rather just throw in the towel and quit. It would be so much easier than taking the next step and trying to do the next thing, even though I know that's what I'm supposed to do. We need to keep talking about this because God has a plan for our lives and God wants to work in our lives and God wants to do something through us, but he can't if we don't move forward. But perseverance says, God, I've already decided... That whatever happens in my life, in a family situation, relationships, whatever happens in my life, 
I will continue to put one foot in front of the other. Making forward progress. It doesn't have to be fast, nothing flashy. Forward progress. I've come to the point in my life, I've written about this recently, but I've come to the point in my life where I view perseverance, simply putting one foot in front of the other as a superpower. (laughs) Because so few people do it. It's amazing the number of people I've seen, I've observed over the course of my life who are prepared, who are smart, they're not emotional, they see things clearly, they understand things really, really well, they know how to apply learning, they're very wise, and yet they just stop moving forward. Life has its obstacles, it has its difficulties, it has its trials, its ups and its downs. But we can move forward if only we will. How do we set the groundwork? What are the rules? (laughs) Well, we need to be prepared. We need the right perspective. That takes some work. We need to pursue, that is, to apply what we've learned to the job in front of us. And we need to be committed to perseverance. Consistently doing the right thing without quitting. There you have it. Thanks so much for listening to that preview of my show. To discover more episodes of March or Die, I invite you to visit lifeaudio.com or search March or Die on your favorite podcast app. You can also check out the show notes on this episode to find links to my show and connect with me on social media. I release new episodes on Wednesday, but have nearly 100 episodes right now available for you to listen to. So go and check those out. Again, thank you for listening. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.